this past uh, series that pastor's been teaching, we've been talking about relation slips uh, and relationships and, and, and how those things are essential and important, and important for our lives. Uh, this, uh, this week was very special for me, and I just, a uh, big shout out, uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to, to celebrate our 19th year anniversary. Yeah. Glory to God. And let me just say this, it is all because of the grace of God. It's nothing that I boast of uh, in myself. It's nothing that we boast of in ourselves. Uh, I certainly have not been perfect in everything that I've done, and my wife certainly has not been perfect either. But like the Apostle Paul says, we are what we are because of the grace of God, his divine ability to be able to help us do and be everything that he's called for us to be. And so, and so I'm, you know, I'm thinking, you know, well, hey, I, I got to take my wife out, you know, have a nice meal. And so my wife and I had a chance to, to go and, and go out to a nice restaurant. And so the waitress comes up to us, and she's, uh, you know, a very nice waitress, very attentive. And we'll share with her that, you know, hey, this is our anniversary. You know? How many know when you've got something special, you want to share it with somebody else? So, yeah, you know, we're, and we're celebrating 19 years. And, and, and the waitress, she, 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 was, she was happy but she was kind of surprised in a way. It, it almost seemed like she, she didn't really believe that we could be married for that long. She didn't really believe that it was possible because uh, she didn't believe that it, it's something that could even be done. And I remember, I'll never forget what she said. She said, wow, you, you guys been married for 19 years? Wow, man, it seems like today people can't stay married for 19 days, let alone 19 years. And at that moment, I began to realize that our relationship was more than just about our 19 years together. It was more than just what we'd been through. But God divinely set us in that place for that time for that waitress who may have never seen a healthy relationship, who may have never seen two people loving each other, who, have, who may have never seen a lasting whole relationship. See, child of God, when we start talking about relationships, when God ordains relationships, whether it's between a husband and a wife, whether it's between friends, whether it's between coworkers, whatever that relationship may be, that relationship is just not to benefit you. But that relationship is to benefit the people around you that can see that it's working that can see that it's healthy, and that can see that it's whole. God wants our relationships to not only benefit ourselves, but to impact other people. And that's the real strength and value of a relationship. It's not so much what you can get out of it. <laughs> you know, we live in a society where uh, everyone's talking about, you know, me, me, and what I can get out of it. But when God ordains relationships, he wants them to flow over. We talked about that overflow in worship, didn't we? <laughs> and that's what God wants your relationships to do. He wants the love in your relationships to overflow. <laughs> he wants it to flow out to your friends and flow out to your coworkers and flow out to the people that you know. He doesn't want you to contain it, but he wants it to flow and to other people. So key. Glory to God. I, I hear the music. I see like I <laughs> said, keep on going, I will. 
You know, I was thinking in retrospect, my father, before he passed away, had an opportunity to be married to my mother for almost 50 years. Now, how many know that's a long time? (laughs) My wife's parents, who, before they had passed away, had an opportunity to be married for almost 30 years. And so, for my wife and I, to be married for going on 19 years really is, is not that odd in our family because why? Because we've had such a, a, a lasting legacy of relationships that has been passed down. And so, and so when I looked at the model of my parents and even the model of her parents, we see this model that we can emulate to know that, listen, if you can do it, then we can do it. And so that's very, very important because models matter. It matters the models that you have in your life. It matters what you're emulating. Because how many of you have ever seen a a, a small uh, model of a car? You're familiar with the model of a car? Now, now one of the things that makes it a model is that even though it may not be the real thing, it is an exact replica of something that is much, much larger. And this is why models are so important. They give us a, something to replicate. They give us something to look after. They give us something to look to and to emulate for ourselves. Now, understand something. My parents weren't perfect. But they stuck it out because they understood that their relationship was not just about themselves. And, and, and I, can't, I can't emphasize this enough when it comes to any type of relationship. They understood that they had two sons, my brother and I. They understood that my brother and I were looking at them as an example. They understood that we just can't act any kind of way. We just can't do any kind of thing. It's not just about us. It's about those two children that we have together. Their relationship had a purpose that was greater than themselves. Watch this, that propelled them to set aside their differences for the sake of the family. Woo! (laughs) I'm going to say that again. Their relationship had a purpose that was greater than themselves that propelled them to set aside their differences for the sake of our family. This is why relationships are are more than just uh, uh, something small, but there's divine purpose in every relationship. There's divine significance and there's divine meaning in every relationship. Now, uh, let me just give you more of a a natural example. you know, this year I was, I have to say, I, okay, I, I give kudos to the Eagles, you know, because they, they beat my boys. <laughs> and props to the Eagles. Congratulations. You got one, we got five. But anyway. <laughs> but, you know, the, the days uh, going up to the Super Bowl, one of the biggest things that was going on in the media was the fact that it seemed as though Tom Brady and Bill Belichick were having a riff in their relationship. It seemed as though they were not getting along the way that they used to get along, and they were bickering on the sidelines. And, and even, even behind the scenes, they would say in meetings they would fight, and, and, and they would go through all these different things. 
But here's the reality. Despite of the bickering, despite of the going back and forth, despite of the differences that they may have had with one another, they had to make a conscious decision that for the sake of our team, we have to work out our differences and work together to win a championship. And obviously they went on, of course, and went on to the Super Bowl. They didn't win the Super Bowl, but they've had this relationship for a long time. Can, can, can I give you another example? How many remember Colby and Shaq? <laughs> remember Colby and Shaq? Great, win multiple championships together with the Lakers. But how many realized they didn't always get along? As a matter of fact, they, they bickered and fought a lot. There, were, there was always the, 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 the riff, okay, whose team? Is it Shaq's team? Is it Colby's team? Is, it, is, is Shaq going to get the credit for the championship? Is Colby going to get the credit for the championship? And, and, and it almost seemed like this constant undercurrent between the two of them. But here's the reality. Regardless of what differences they may have had with one another, regardless of, of how they felt, who should get the credit, the bottom line was this. When that whistle blew, and it was time to get on that court and play basketball, whatever differences they had, whatever things they didn't like about each other, whatever things they didn't think were good about each other, they set those things aside. And they came together and worked on their relationship for the sake of the team. And as a result, they ended up winning multiple championships. This is why you have to start looking at relationships differently. You have to see the purpose and the value of every relationship that you have. Because here's the thing, if, if you don't see the purpose of it, you won't fight for it. I'm gonna say that again. If you don't see the purpose of a thing, you won't fight for it. You need more than feelings to keep a relationship going. You need more than uh, lovey-dovey. Those things are wonderful and those emotions are nice. But the bottom line is when the rubber meets the road and things get difficult and tough, you need something, you need a purpose that is greater than yourselves to stick in there and hang in there. Very important to understand. Our relationship, my wife and I use us as an example has benefited from the legacy of many strong marriages that we surrounded ourselves with early on. And so it was very, very important. Now, now some of you may be saying, I mean, that, that, that's wonderful. That's great. That's great that you had parents that were married all that time and your parents were married all that time, and that's wonderful. But how many know not everyone grew up with those kind of examples? Not everyone had the privilege and the benefit of having those type of models to look at. And I understand that, and I get it, and I completely see where you're coming from. But this is why Jesus is so important. Because Jesus has a way, how many know that Jesus has a way of making up the difference? Uh Uh-huh. He makes up the difference. He becomes a model to those that do not have models in their lives. The Bible says, watch this, that to those that don't have a father... He is a model of fatherhood. He is a father to the, so if you never had a daddy, if you never had someone 
to say that this is my son or this is my daughter. He says he is a father to the fatherless. If you've never had a good friend, if you've never had a good friendship, and how many know friendship relationships are very important? Very important. If you've never had a good friend, the Bible says that there is a friend that sticks closer than any brother. And so he knows how to model friendship for those that may not have had a friend. You're not married. He is a husband to those without marriage. The Bible says that husbands should love their wives. Watch this, as Christ loved the church and gave himself as a ransom for it. And so he gives us a model even for those that are not married. You don't know the word of God? You've never read the Bible? I hope you read the Bible. (laughs) He is a model. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and that word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, the word that was on the pages of the Bible, he became that thing in the flesh so that why he could model the word for you. And that's what he expects you and I to do as well. So if you didn't have a model in some area, if you didn't have a model of friendship, if you didn't have a model of of parenting, if you didn't have a model in some area of your life, I've got good news for you. Jesus is the ultimate model. He is the one that you can look to for all the things that you need. Jesus models the characteristics needed for a healthy relationship. He, 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 some people say, well, what's this relationship thing all about? Jesus models all of those characteristics in his life. How many of you know in order to have a healthy relationship, you got to know how to forgive? Okay, I'm going to say that again. I didn't get a real big, hearty amen for that, but I'm going to say it again. <laughs> you have to know how to forgive. But Jesus is forgiving when he was on the cross and and being crucified and all the people that did him wrong, one of the very last words that Jesus ever said was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness is powerful. And some of you say, well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know know how they treated me. See, 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 and here's what you have to understand. See, forgiveness is not an act of approval. It's an act of removal. Whenever you forgive someone, you remove those toxics of bitterness and hate and anger, and you remove all of those things out of your life. And so it's not about approval. It's about removing the things out of your life that would be toxic and keep you away from God. So Jesus models forgiveness, and we need that in relationships. The Bible says that he is patient. How many of you know you need patience in a relationship? <laughs> I was, it's so funny, you know, when, uh, uh, when we're driving down the street. My, 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 wife, she, my wife is used to being on a much more regimented time schedule than I am. I mean, I, I, I mean obviously, I, I get up, I go to work. But, you know, my wife, she, she, time is so essential for her. And so oftentimes, a lot of times when I go and do things and drive around, I, I take my good old time. You know, I, I figure, hey, you know, we're going to get there when we get there. We on time, right? My wife, on the other hand, man, come on, come on, come on. And I'm, I'm like, why, why are we rushing? 
and I began to understand, maybe, could it be that patience is being worked out? Even myself, and many of you have areas of our lives that we need to be patient. Patience, having his perfect work. Jesus exercised patience even when it came to his disciples. How many, do you remember Peter? <laughs> Peter, Peter was, he was wild, he was crazy, he was untamed, he was cutting people's ears off. But Jesus understood the purpose of their relationship. And he understood that you're going to be something great someday. And so what I'm going to do is while you're going what you're going through right now and acting the way you're acting right now and being the way you're being right now, I'm going to have patience with you because I understand that this behavior is going to turn in a while. And so I'm going to be patient with you, Peter, because I know eventually, I know you're not acting real solid, but you are going to be the rock that your church is going to stand on and the gates of hell are not going to be able to prevail. Patience, letting patience, patience in his relationship with Peter. Jesus was proactive. The Bible says we love him, watch this, because he first loved us. He made the first move. One of the valuable things I've learned in, in, in even the relationship with my wife and others is that if you want to have healthy relationships, you got to be proactive, man. You, you can't wait for the other person to do stuff. You can't wait for them to forgive. You can't, wait, you can't sit back and wait. You have to be someone who takes the initiative. I tell you, man, when I, man, when I was pursuing my wife, I took the initiative, man. I, at the time, I was living in, in Boston. She was in Michigan, but it didn't matter to me. I mean, I would get on flights. We would fly back and forth. Why? Because I understood the value of the relationship. And so what did I do? To prove my love for her, I took the initiative. I became the leader. You know, even in my household, just little things. For example, I'm usually the first person in my household to get up every morning. Usually all the time. And I'm usually getting up praying or getting up in the word of God. I, I like to start my morning out that way. But I take the initiative. I become... I. I want to be first. Why? Because I want to be that example for everybody else. Taking the initiative. He was proactive. He was wise. The Bible says in Jews 125, to the only wise God be glory and honor, dominion and power, both now and forever. How many of you know you need wisdom in relationships? <laughs> I'm going to say that again. You need wisdom in relationships. Wisdom, not just what to do, but when to do it. There are many times in our relationship and even in relationships with his coworker where you have to ask God for divine timing in doing things. It's not just doing it, it's the right time to do it. It's the right time to ask. It's the right time, you know, you can have... <laughs> Some heated discussions, and I call them heated discussions <laughs> in relationships. And sometimes it may not be the time to deal with it right then and there. Partic particularly with our girls, you know, I mean, I, you know, my wife and I, you know, we, we, 
you know, if, if there's something that we have a we have a disagreement about, we we try to make sure that those disagreements are dealt with in a time where it doesn't bleed over into our children. And so it's very, very important to have wisdom when it comes to relationships. And Jesus modeled that to other believers. The Bible says that Jesus is love. The Bible says that God is love. The bottom line line is that at the foundation of any relationship is love. There's got to be love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Those are the the principles about Jesus' life that allow us to emulate him as we strive to have healthy and whole relationship. Let me just say this. I've had the opportunity to be around a lot of great people. I mean, I've had the opportunity to be around a lot of my parents. Uh, In many ways, uh, they were not perfect, but they did a a great job, I think, of exemplifying longevity. I've had an opportunity to to have mentors and and coaches and, and pastors that have poured into my life, and I've been able to emulate in my life in, in many different ways. But you know what I discovered? <laughs> Here's what I discovered. As great as a person is, they're still a person. <laughs> as great <laughs> as uh, the best coach was, he still had flaws. As wonderful as a job as some pastors and mentors that I've had over the years have done in my life. The bottom line reality is everyone has flaws and failures and areas of their life that just don't meet the standard. And this is why Jesus is the ultimate model. Because the bottom line reality is that people can be limited in how much they can even help you. And it's very important that you set a healthy expectation of people when it comes to needing help in certain areas. I may be a lot of things, but one thing I'm not is God. I'm going to say that again. I may represent God. I may emulate God. I may act like God. But I am not God. Do you remember the the story in the Bible where the man uh, who had been ill for a long time, and the Bible says that Jesus was in this particular house, and the Scripture says that they, they knew that if they could get this guy to Jesus, he would be okay. And so the Bible says that they were so radical about getting this guy to Jesus that they literally took him in his bed, climbed up on the roof of the house, tore the roof open, and dropped him down because they knew if we can get him into the presence of Jesus, he'll be okay. And oftentimes I can give you great advice and and I can tell you great things and and I can give you four points and five points and and I can tell you about all the great experiences that my wife and I have had and and, and I can tell you this and I can tell you that. But there comes a point in time where I just say, you you know what, man, you you just need to take it to Jesus. (laughs) 
Okay, I, I mean, I, I, I want to help you more. I want to be there for you more. But the bottom line reality is I am limited in many areas, but he has no limits at all. Very important to understand the limitations of others. And so legacy when it comes to relationships. Let me give you a few other points. I was uh, uh, at the barber shop the other day, and, and about, you know, the Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and this is actually the first time that I ever had a chance to get my hair cut by this guy, but I had no idea the interaction that was going to take place when I met the guy, and so you know, I'm thinking, you know, hey, I'm just, you know, going to get a haircut, and, and, you know, he can cut my hair, but, you know, right in the middle of this guy cutting my hair, he starts talking to me about relationships. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know. And he, he, he starts opening up to me. You, you know, as a believer, the Bible says to the spiritual, all things are spiritual. As a believer, you, you, you have to be receptive and open to what God is doing in a moment in your life. God works in moments. And so, and so in this moment, he just starts opening up to me and talking to me about his relationships and the challenges he's had. And, he, you know, he, he'd been married twice and it didn't work. And, and you know, he, and, I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, okay, okay, God, you know, so what are you trying to do? And so, and, and then he says to me, he says, he, he says, so how long have you been married? I said, well, you know, my wife and I, you know, we just celebrated night. He was like, 19 years. Now, understand, so remember, this is someone who didn't have a model, okay? This is someone who never had a good, healthy example of what a relationship looked like. And so, and so here I am, you know, he, he, <laughs> he thinks he's giving me a haircut. He thinks I'm just there for a haircut. But God <laughs> has another plan and another agenda. And so, and so... We, you know, he just starts going on about, you know, the first one didn't work and this and, this and that. And it's like, so how long? I said, well, he said, man, 19 years. And here's what he said to me. He says, uh, he says, give me three reasons why it worked. I'm, <laughs> I'm just getting my hair cut. I mean, I have no idea. This is going to be some ministry moment. I mean, I just, I'm just trying to get a lot. I'm just trying to get fresh. You know, I just. This is why the Bible says you have to be ready in season, not a season. I, I was, first of all, I was kind of shocked that, I mean, he didn't look like a real deep guy. You know, he didn't look like real, I mean, he, he just, okay, three reasons why. I'm like, and, and so what that, that question caused me to start thinking and to start looking back over my own life and looking at what made it work for us. And so I gave him three things, and I'm gonna close with these three things. The first thing I said to him, I said, I said, probably the first thing I had to come to grips with when my wife and I first got married is that I can't be single and married at the same time. Okay, I, it, I, I just, I can't do both anymore. 
See, there's a reason why the Bible says that a husband's supposed to leave and cleave, okay? Leave and cleave. This principle of leaving and cleaving is much deeper than just marriage. I mean, if you want any, any, anything of great success, of great value, uh, whether it's a dream, whether it's a business, whether it's a, whatever that thing may be, at one time or another, you're going to have to leave where you were and cleave to what's best for you. And so I, I said, that's the first thing, man. I mean, I, I couldn't be married and act like I was single. And, and, that's, and, that's, and that's a great challenge for a lot of people. And the reason why it's a great challenge is because my new relationship required new relationships. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. My new relationship with my wife required that I start forming new relationships to support that relationship. But in order to do that, I had to, watch this, I had to prioritize my relationships. I had to say, okay, what relationships are the most important to me now? And now I have to line all the other relationships up so they could sync with the most important, well, of course, number one, the number one relationship in my life at the time was God, and so that was covered. But now, the next in line for relationships was now my wife and I. So, so as I prioritized my relationship, now all the other, I had to start forming relationships with people that were doing what I was doing and going where I was going. <laughs> Because I had established that this relationship is important. This, aside from God, is number one. And so now all your other relationships, you got to either come in line or get out of line. And that's the bottom line. (laughs) My relationship needed other relationships like it to support it. And here's what you have to understand. See, if you don't do that, see, anything that doesn't get support eventually is going to die. It's eventually going to die. So if you are not surrounding yourselves with people that are going where you're going and doing what your goals are, it's going to die. Can't be married and stay single at the same time. Every new endeavor requires new relationships. It's the principle. How many of you remember uh, King David in the Bible? I'm sure we're familiar with King David. King David was a dynamic young man. Uh, he was anointed, watch this, to be king of Israel. There was only one problem with that, though. He'd never been a king before. <laughs> he didn't know anything. Re- I mean, I mean he, David knew how to fight. He knew how to worship. But kingship, I, he, it, I don't understand. I don't get it. He didn't get it. 
And God realizes that. And so lo and behold, Saul, who was the king at the time, has a son named Jonathan. <laughs> and, and Jonathan grew up in the king's house. He understood what it meant to be a king. He understood the language of a king. He understood the protocols of a king. He knew all the things that it required to be a king. David, who was a shepherd boy, who was anointed as king, but didn't know how to be a king. And so what does God do? When God, when, when God knows that there's a purpose in your life that needs to be fulfilled, he connects Jonathan to David, and, and now the king gets to learn from someone who had lived under a king. Why? Because, and so David now watches, now, he, he, he forms a relationship with Jonathan, not just because he was so in love with Jonathan, but he understands that, listen, my destiny is to be king. And if I'm going to be a king, I got to be hang around people who have been kings before. Every new endeavor requires a new relationship. And you can't be scared. You can't be scared. Can't be scared in new relationships. New relationships are trying to take you to another level. But you, you, you can't be falling back on old ones and expect to get something new. So that's the first thing I said. The second thing I said to him, I said, I said, we had to learn how to manage disagreements and resolve conflicts. That's I told him. I said, number one, I said, I said you, you, our relationships had to change. Number two, I said, we had to manage disagreements and resolve. I, I, here's the reality of it. When two people come together in any relationship, whether it's a, it's a, it's a marriage, it's a business, it's whatever, they're going to be differences. They're going to be different ways of thinking. They're going to be different ways of reacting. You were raised differently. You grew up in different environments. And so because of your differences, there's going to be conflicts. And how well you met, let me just make it crystal clear for you. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of organizations, there's a lot of things that try to make you act like there's no conflicts. Everything's cool, everything's hunky-dory, everything's fine. The bottom line reality is everyone has disagreements, everyone has conflicts, some people are better at managing them than others. And how well you can manage conflicts and resolve disagreements will determine the success. The Bible says, how can two walk together except they agree? <laughs> Which means if there is a disagreement, then you can't walk together anymore. So you got to manage this disagreement. If you want to walk together, you have to agree. Does that make sense? Am I, am I helping anybody this morning? <laughs> Look at this. Manage disagreements and resolve conflicts. Modeling what you, and, and a lot of that came from just modeling the life of Jesus and seeing uh, 
you know, my, 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 my parents were married for a long time, but I have to admit, one of the things that they didn't do well was manage conflicts. I mean, they, they had longevity, but when it came to conflicts, that, that's why, you know, you know that the whole adage is that it takes a village to raise a, fa- raise a family. To, it takes a village to raise a person. It, it takes, you know, because one of the things I just, this is why the Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Not one person has everything. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say that again to, to some people that feel that they can get everything from one person. <laughs> In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. There are some people that specialize good at this, they're good at that, they're good at this. And you can't, ex- it, 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 you know what's funny to me about athletes in general is People think because they're successful at athletics (laughs) that they can do everything well. And so now they're they're asking athletes about politics and family and and (laughs) he may not know nothing about family. He can can put a basketball in a hoop, but he may not be good at doing the family thing. (laughs) And so managing disagreements and resolving conflicts. Being able to see who is it that is good at that and glean from that person. Very, very important. So I said we, I said we had to get our relationships right. I said we had to manage our disagreements properly. And then finally, here's the last piece, and, and, and this is what I share with this brother. I said, man, this, this is just so vital. I said at the end of the day, one of the things that my wife was I uh, had resolved was that Jesus was the foundation of our relationship. I said, you know, without God in the mix, without God being at the center, without God uh, being the one who is leading and guiding and directing our decisions, very difficult. This, this is what the Bible says in Matthew 7, verse 24 through 20, uh, 27. He said, whoever hears these sayings of mine, I liken them to him to a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And the rain descends, and the floods come, and they beat on that house. But the house doesn't fall. You know why? Because it was founded on a rock. But then he says, whoever hears you saying the mind doesn't do him, I liken him unto a foolish man who builds his house on sand. And the floods come and the winds blow and the house falls and great was the fall. I tell you, (laughs) when I first got married, man, I mean, I was playing in the NFL, making lots of money. High roller, but man, we walked up in restaurants like, what? And you know what? They treated us that way too. And man, I was just rolling, man. I mean, just got married. Man, I mean, the sky was the limit. 
so uh, we had just got married, so everything was just going so well. Until one day, I walk into the, <laughs> the stadium at Foxborough, and one of the player personnel guys, he, he takes me aside. I said, Damon, you know what? I, I need to see you for a second. So I'm like, you know, cool, you know. He says, thank you for your services, but I have to announce to you that we'll be releasing you today. Now, I just got married, <laughs> okay? I just had a wife I got to take care of. And now this? So I'm thinking, okay, you know, maybe I could make it with another team, you know what I mean? You know, maybe we can make it. Get to another team, get injured. Can't play with that team. Money starts drying up. Things start getting tough. Things start getting tight. Things are not working out the way that I thought. And at that moment, let me tell you something, you better have an anchor. I said you better have an anchor. And that, it is that anchor that has kept us in lean times, that kept us, <laughs> I was going from city to city trying to get a job. That has kept us to this point. And I said that at Barbara, I said, man, the bottom line is this. Regardless of what we went through, Jesus was at our foundation, at the core. Because the storms, they are going to come. And the winds are going to blow. But Jesus said, whoever hears these saying in mine and does them, I would liken them unto a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And that's what it was built on. I said, all that over a haircut. <laughs> Stand to your feet, everyone. Leaving a legacy. You know, some of you may have, have not done well relationships, didn't work out. One of the great things about legacies is that you can start your own. <laughs> if you didn't have one to emulate, I, how many know we got some great pastors? We, we got some great people that have, have gone through a whole myriad of experiences. And so you can start your own fresh legacy for your household right now. But the bottom line is this. Unless Jesus is at the foundation of that legacy, the Bible says they that labor, labor in vain. And so at this time, I want to give an opportunity for those that may have not made Jesus the Lord of your life. You, you never gotten saved. You, you heard about church. You came to church for some reason or another. But God has strategically placed you here. And this is your moment. This is your opportunity to make him the Lord of your life, to accept him as Lord. And so if that's you, I don't want to embarrass you, but just, just slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. He's not at the center of your life. I want to pray with you and introduce you into the kingdom. You know, we're living in a day and age where the only thing that matters is Jesus. 
things change, man. Lives change. Businesses change. Governments change. But the only thing that has remained the same is Jesus. So if you're here, I want to pray with you. I trusted everyone. Let me pray for this household. Father, I thank you right now for your tremendous presence.